everybody, it's Jenny. And this is Alexa. And we're back for another edition of the podcast. Today we are podcasting Fallout by Gwenda Bond. Uh, if you're not familiar with Fallout, it is a young adult novel about a teenage Lois Lane. It's super fun and we are really excited because joining us today on the podcast is the author, Gwenda Bond herself. Uh, Gwenda Bond is from right here in Lexington, Kentucky and she is also the author of Girl on a Wire, which is part of the Cirque American series and a new series she writes with her husband, Christopher Rowe, called The Supernormal Sleuthing Service about a boy who lives in a hotel for monsters. I've already got this one on hold. I'm so excited about it. Um, but today, of course, we're going to talk about Lois Lane and welcome Gwenda Bond. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. So we're going to jump right in. Uh, we usually say that this is not a spoiler-free podcast. Uh, Alexa and I want to try to keep this one as spoiler-free as we can because um, we really want to encourage you guys to go out and, and get the book. It's it's just a wonderful, wonderful read. Um in the book, Lois Lane has just moved to Metropolis with her father, who is an army general, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and she, on her first day at school, uh, has a run-in, a pretty funny run-in with the school principal and kind of is already making a name for herself as a rabble-rouser. Um, and she is. this interaction is, is seen by uh, someone who works at the Daily Planet who has started a teen uh, version of a newspaper called The Daily Scoop, and he offers Lois a job. So Lois goes to work on the teen version of The Daily Planet, uh, which we all know will be her grown-up job as well. Um, and she starts investigating some cyberbullying uh, with one of her classmates who's, who feels like she's being almost like mind-controlled by a group of um, kids at her school that call themselves the Warheads. Right. And they are uh, playing like a... Um, what would you call it? The kind of game they're playing. VR is vir- it's a virtual reality yeah, yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and they're kind of using that to, I mean, harass this fellow student. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess our first question for you, Gwenda, is why Lois? What drew you to Lois Lane as a character to write? So I've always loved Lois Lane. Um, from she was the first, uh, one of the first working women I ever saw on TV, and my mom was very much um, a feminist. Even though we were in small town Kentucky, she was the first woman principal at the high school there, um, and we wa- grew up watching, you know, Murphy Brown and all of those. There was kind of a spate of, of, of you know. Not that many, but a few Mm -hmm. little things, you know. I remember watching Silkwood with her. Um, You know, she was always hungry for those sorts of things. And Lois Lane was really the first character I saw who reminded me of my mom, you know. So super competent, working woman who was confident and and really didn't take any crap from anybody. Um, And then I started stealing my brother's Superman comics. Um, So there were just, Lois Lane really did speak to me. And in fact, like, I was approached by DC, contacted my agent and asked if I'd be interested. I'm writing a series about young Lois Lane. Um, and it really wasn't until that moment that I had stopped to examine how influential she had been in my kind of personal pantheon of, of heroes. Wow. So what was it like working with DC? Did you have to, like, sign super secret contracts and go out <laughs> to their buildings and all that stuff? No, there's always... <laughs> actually, it never works like this. So I, I, I always give that caveat when I tell this story because I have lots of friends who've done this kind of work, and, and I am doing some other things with established characters um, or working on them that have taken a lot more discussion. They really, at, they really recruited me heavily for this, and it came together almost immediately. And I was... My only question was whether I'd have 
freedom to make it my own? And they said, yes. And I thought, well, we'll see. Um, and they were very true to their word. Um, I had an editor at Capstone, who's the publisher. Um, and then uh, Warner Brothers, we had an editor there, too, who on the was on the D.C. side. Um, and they worked really well together. It was a great team. I think everybody was on the same page. I did have to sign an NDA. Um, and they, of course, you know, when I'm writing the book, the first book especially, you've, it isn't announced yet. And you know that they could just cancel this if they don't <laughs> like what you send in. But luckily, that did not happen. <laughs> they were very nervous because they had never really done anything like this before. And yeah. now they've planned a bunch more stuff based, I think, on somewhat on the on the positive response that we got to these Great. books. Yeah, it's been, I, I read some of the reviews, it's been very well reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites, com- one of the favorite reviews compared it to, uh, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Veronica Mars. <laughs> yes, those are my favorite things. Yeah. So, <laughs> just absolutely, I was like, oh, well, I have to read that now. <laughs> yeah, sold. Sold, exactly. <laughs> She's such a strong, strong character. Um, and how do you feel like this Lois is different from other versions of Lois Lane? So, I did a lot of thinking um, when I was approaching the first draft of this book uh, about what are the core traits of Lois Lane in good portrayals versus bad portrayals? <laughs> Obviously, you want to do the first and not the second. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think there are some core things that are kind of common throughout all of the... I mean, there have been some really great Loises in media, especially. In fact, most of her problematic depictions are in comics. And when you are in comics for, you know, over 70 years, you're going to have some lackluster. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, Lois Lane in the comics reflects what's going on for women in the larger Mm -hmm. culture at any given time. Um, Tim Hanley wrote a book called Investigating Lois Lane, which the library has, I believe, (laughs) which talks about these books and Lois in general. So if you're interested in her history, I definitely recommend that. He's a very good writer. Um, Just really easy to read in a way that nonfiction sometimes is not. Um, And really understands uh, the character inside and out. And uh, Um, I really wanted to honor her past. Um, I love all that 30s and 40s, Mm -hmm. fast-talking, newsroom banter. And, you know, the original Superman movie, what drew me in, I think, is how much it owed to that kind of newsroom romantic comedy Mm -hmm. sort of vibe. That's very much the the way I see Lois and Clark, um, you know, as equals, because that was the kind of relationship that those movies portrayed, um, which is kind of ironic that we don't always see that these days in romantic comedies um, and that the women often were like sort of fighting against kind of societal restrictions. Um, And so I think what's different is, is that Lois doesn't have some of the, she doesn't have some of the barriers that other uh, generations of the character may have faced in the workroom in terms of women just being taken seriously. Um, so a lot of Lois's ch- this Lois's challenges come from the fact that she's still being formed, right? Um, most of the time when we meet Lois Lane, she's already a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. She's never really had an origin story of her own, like how did she get there? Um, and I think there is a vulnerable side. One of the things you can do in a novel that's difficult to do in other things is show the interior of a character Um, And so you get a little bit more nuance than sometimes you get from just seeing how tough she is to the people on the outside. So I think that's really the the core difference. Um, But I hope there's a lot of similarities, too. Mm -hmm. One of the the things I loved um, that you said in an interview I read 
uh, I think a lot of people think of Lois Lane as kind of a damsel in distress because mm-hmm. she's always getting into trouble mm-hmm. and she needs Superman to save her. Mm-hmm. And you said, no, no, no. You said, <laughs> heroes get into trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's, she's out pursuing the bad guys and doing great work. Yeah. And, you know, she doesn't have superpowers. No. But she she's using her, you know, her journalistic prowess to go after the bad guys. And so she's going to get into trouble. That's what happens. Absolutely. I mean, trouble is what superheroes do. Um, and, you know, Superman also saves the world a lot. Right. We don't think the world is dumb. Um, right. You know, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I feel like Lois is, um, and it, it, even in a more, um, in a more, in a, in a more, like, in a higher way. For me, Lois Lane is is who Superman sees as a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she is very much part of his model of what a hero is because it's about your character, not about what you can do. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so true. That's one of my favorite kind of aspects of any sort of Superman Lois Lane portrayal mm-hmm. is just how much Superman like thinks Lois is just the coolest yeah. thing ever. Like <laughs> Superman yes. loves Lois Lane. I think it's so adorable. It's like here's this literal alien god who yeah. flew down to Earth and yeah. saves us the entire planet on our daily race. And she's just like, man, Lois is a great journalist. <laughs> he just yeah. really loves Lois and it's just so touching. And I really I think that you did a good job of capturing that. I mean Slight spoiler, <laughs> Superman is in this book. You, you don't actually... I don't think that's a spoiler. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I always Most feel bad uh, for, for younger people who don't know, and they're know. like, is it? And I, I'm like, yes. One of, the, one of the reviews that I read was like, some people might not get that Smallville guy is Clark Kent, but and so I was like, was that supposed to be a secret? No. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, Lois has an online friend who yes. can handle Smallville guy, right. who we all know. Yes. We pretty much figure out pretty early on. Is, is, He's is, out there naming cows. Making his avatar in the VR universe and, and alien. And I don't think it's spoilery to say that because it's in the flap copy for the third book okay, that eventually right. she even knows. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. like he, you know, eventually everyone is confirmed. Yeah. So. Right. I mean, whenever you've been all, a all franchise secret, for 70 yeah. years. All the secret identities of everyone who you don't know in books one and two is answered in book three. Got it. <laughs> but I think that that's one of the really sweet things in this book is the is the online relationship between yeah, between Superman so and Lois. Right. It was really, really portrayed <laughs> cutely. I think it's adorable and it was so fun getting to see them. I mean, she has so much anxiety over, who is this guy? Won't he tell me his secrets? And it, I don't know. That was definitely my favorite part of the book, I think, was just their relationship. I love being writing played them. Out. It was I great. I love writing them. Well, you guys see her vulnerable side. Yeah. yeah. With him. You know, her her insecurities and her anxieties around this, this budding relationship mm-hmm. that she didn't, you know, to the rest of the world, she was tough it's funny like because in the outline for book one on the very first page in the overview it was you know that this is the only person that she allows herself to to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. with and i mean i do think that's a core part of both of their relationship i mean she's one of the few people later on who you know clark trusts with his secret Mm -hmm. um because he knows that she would never divulge it Mm mm-hmm so, speaking of different portrayals of Lois Lane, do you have a favorite portrayal? Um, I, Amy Adams is a recent one. I know you mentioned before we started recording <laughs> that you met Margot Kidder recently, which yes. is amazing. Um, Margot Kidder was my first Lois, so she mm-hmm. has to be my favorite. Um, she very, I mean, I, well, I did get to meet her. We were at the both guests at the Superman celebration, um, and it was a little overwhelming. Um, she was so cool, and I <laughs> told her about the books, and she asked about young Lois, and I got to tell her, which you don't often get the chance to do that you know I wouldn't have the career that I have now if I hadn't seen her as Lois Lane growing up 
um, and she was just delightful. But I love all of the Loises, and one of the things I love about them is that they have tended to be very supportive of each other when they pass the torch, Um, and there have often been cases, um, like the Superman movie's a great example, where Noelle Neal is young Lois's mom on the train, and she, of course, was an earlier generation's Lois. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's cool, and I was at a panel, we did a discussion about these books and Lois Lane in general, and I asked the audience um, in Metropolis, Illinois, <laughs> uh, if, you know, who everybody's first Lois was, mm-hmm. and it was a huge range in the crowd, and for a lot of the younger people, it's Dana Delaney, mm-hmm. right, from the animated adventures, and she's yeah. a great Lois. Um, so, yeah, I think there have been so many good ones. I, 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 Amy Adams really seems to like playing Lois. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope we get to see a little more, like, Bantry newsroom yes. stuff in future movies and some scenes, too, with Amy Adam, more scenes with Amy Adams and Gal Gadot because I thought they had great chemistry together and mm-hmm. seemed to just be like best friends in all of the Gal Gadot is such a sweet Wonder Woman. She's oh, adorable. So good. <laughs> She's so, so good. good. And, She's really and, cute. and you know, Lois Lane and Wonder Woman have had some great moments in the comics over the years. So mm-hmm. I, I hope we get some. Do you have a dream cast for your Lois? I I never know actors. (laughs) Somebody asked me this yesterday online, and I was like, young Rosalind Russell. (laughs) (laughs) You were like, huh? (laughs) I never know any actors' names, um, but, you know, I don't know. I think it would be, I would love to see, I think it's time for a Lois to be cast as a a person of color. Like, I I would love to see see that kind of casting done, like if Super Girl Castle of Slane. That would be really um, cool. Yeah. The girl from the Hunger Games would be great. Oh, yeah. Amanda Stenberg. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love be, her. She would be a She's, great Lois. She would. She yeah. would. Yeah. Get on that Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited for everything, everything. I, I think that she'll do oh, a really good yeah. job at that. I'm yeah, super yeah. excited about that. Yeah. Nicola Yoon is the nicest person. Oh, really? <laughs> she seems really sweet yes. based on all of the books that I've read by She her. <laughs> is so supportive of everybody Aww. and so nice. Yeah, it's always nice to see people who are. Truly wonderful, get the success and leadership. (laughs) Well, um, one of the other things I love about this Lois is her friend group, which I know you refer to as the Scooby Gang, (laughs) which I love. Um, How important was it for you to have Lois have kind of like a, a tribe around her? It really was. I think of Superman, and and you can see this in Supergirl too. Um, is really an ensemble property. Um, it's always been about Superman and kind of his relationships with a revolving cast of people. But there are some real standards there, like Jimmy and Perry and Lois, obviously, Cat um, Grant sometimes. Um, you know, and Lex Luthor on the on the other side. Uh, of things. Um, and so I wanted to preserve that and give Lois her own ensemble. And I didn't want to use people who, you know, kind of belonged to Clark um, because I felt like that would upset sort of the balance of, of I, I really wanted people to walk away from these books feeling like they could imagine their favorite Superman and Lois, you know, growing out of them. Um, and so uh, I, I really didn't want to recast people who clearly are Clark's friends first um, mm. as Lois's friends first because that just it feels like it wouldn't wouldn't work. Um, and I wanted to give her new some new characters, and it's fun to create new characters mm-hmm. in the DC world. Um, and so I just I, I, and I 
do love a Scooby gang. I, I was a huge Buffy fan. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, the, to me, that's part of the fun of kind of a setup like this. Um, and with a newsroom, you know, you're going to have a crew of people surrounding her. Um, I just really enjoy that. Like, I do kind of approach these books almost like a TV series. Like, with each book is kind of a seasonal arc. And you're there for the characters and um, and their relationships and the world more so than the the main plot. Um, you know, because I love TV. And I love <laughs> open-ended se- book series. I love open-ended series. I'm yeah. a big fan of open-ended series. I read some trilogies and things like that, but sometimes... It, that format can feel forced, and we p- specifically agreed to kind of leave this where it could end at any point or it could go on forever. That's, a, that's <laughs> such a smart way to go about it. I <laughs> yeah, think absolutely. that's the best way to do books and TV series. But yeah, you never know what's going to happen, yeah. um, and it leaves your, you leave yourself more options mm-hmm. too, as a you know, because you change over the course of time, sure. and you know, if you have locked yourself into a story that you decided on three years ago, but really your concerns have changed. Yeah, you know, you it, it can be difficult. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked a bit about creating Lois's kind of Scooby Gang from scratch. And you've talked about reading all of the past Superman mm-hmm. comics and everything. Whenever you knew that you were going to write this book series and you started kind of getting into it, did you go back and kind of delve into past Lois interpretations? Or did you just try and wipe all that clean and start with a fresh slate? I revis- I did a little bit of both. I revisited um, some of my favorite moments um, and did a lot of thinking and rewatched some of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point... Like, pretty quickly, actually. I'd say, like, a week or two. And I, and I had a very tight deadline for the first book, so it was not like I had a bunch <laughs> of time to procrastinate. Sure. I mean, I just realized that if I kept revisiting stuff, I would... And, and I and I never watched Small... We watched the first season of Smallville, which Lois is not on, um, because of the weird CW affiliate thing mm-hmm. that Lexington had mm-hmm. for many years. Mm-hmm. We did not get it, and so we, have, we didn't go back and watch it. And I had to ask the question of, like, that's the really the closest thing to a teen Lois. Like, should I watch it or not? And mm-hmm. I decided that I didn't want um, somebody else's voice in my head. But I always take it as a compliment when people who are fans of Smallville say it feels like that that Lois because people really like her yeah. um, in the Lois Lane fandom. Um, but I think that anytime you're tackling an iconic character, you do need to immerse yourself enough to understand them. Hopefully, if you're the right person for the gig, you understand them pretty much already. Yeah. Um, because you eventually do have to kind of set aside all of all the history and just do your own thing um Mm -hmm. and you can't try to sort of you've got to please yourself first as a fan of the character I think yeah as somebody who's read a lot of fan fiction in my life it seems like (laughs) it it would be really scary to kind of walk that balance of like people in comment section screaming oh oh see it's too out of character I'm really glad it wasn't announced until I had already (laughs) written the first book um and it is still was funny to watch people speculate based on the based on the little paragraph that was online and it's like nope yeah people (laughs) people get really particular about how they think established characters should behave I have been very lucky I mean that definitely was a worry and um that you know anytime you're writing a character who already has a fandom right um there is a real risk that they that will you your your portrayal will be hated um and you know you have zero control over that (laughs) right um I have been very lucky in that the Lois Lane community and there are some um, some some real core members of that, and comic books in the comic book in general world has really embraced this project and been so welcoming, which is not always the case. No, so it's I'm not. very <laughs> I'm very <laughs> relieved. 
believed. I think it helped. Like Tim Hanley, who I mentioned earlier, was writing his Lois Lane book when this was announced, mm-hmm. and he had gotten an early copy so he could include it in the last chapter. And he wrote me a really sweet letter that was one of the first reactions that I got um, about how much he enjoyed it and how it was nice Aww. to be able to have a high note to end the book on. Um, and I was like, because I know I knew that like if Tim Hanley likes it, like I didn't get everything wrong. So it <laughs> <laughs> was a very relieving. <laughs> it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did not. I, I did not grow up um, watching a whole lot of Superman, though the the Lois and Clark series mm. was on when I was in middle school, and um, I did watch that with my brother. Um, but you know, I didn't. I didn't read the comics or anything like that. But one of the things that I felt that was so great about this series is that if you're not a comic mm. fan or you didn't grow up with it, you can jump right in and immerse yourself in it. And it's so the world you've built is so uh, real, and and you just kind of jump right in. And even you know. Um, this virtual reality game they're playing, which doesn't, there's really no real counterpart to mm-hmm. it, but I felt like you did such a great job of explaining it to us. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why you chose that and where that came from? And maybe even her, a little bit about her sister's creepy unicorn world? <laughs> that was so great. That was a great detail. That got added in edits. The <laughs> Lucy's, Lucy's game got added in edits, and it's still one of my favorite things. Super unicorn um, uh, you know, it is. It's funny um, because I'm not a video gamer at all. <laughs> but the Gamergate was going on when I was thinking uh-huh. about this, um, and I do know that there are a lot of girl. And there, you know, we constantly see like studies come out where it's like 50 or 60 percent of gamers are girls, but everyone thinks of them as. Um, thinks of gamers as men and um, with the different kinds of games and also just the politics of it, how, you know, there was just so much about how harassing, mm-hmm. like kind of the, the I, I, what do you, what do you, look, I'm blanking on the actual name. Whatever those games are called that you play, multiplayer, like. Oh, yeah, MMORPGs. Um, yes. yes. That's that. a multiplayer online <laughs> yeah. role-playing game. That. So I wanted to do use a game like that. Welcome. I did actually read, it's funny, and you should ask about research, because I did actually read, like, Tom Bissell has a has an essay collection about being a drug addict oh. and also being addicted to video games, where he, like, and he interviews a lot of people about video games and did a lot of thinking about it. And some of these ran in Harper's. I read that, um, like, kind of philosophically yeah. about what the limits of games were. Um, and I kind of just wanted to have a little bit of everything nerdy in one big pot so that I could have whatever kind of jokes I wanted. Mm-hmm. I did not realize when I wrote the outline for the first book, I created the VR game. Uh, and in the outline, uh, there were never any scenes with Lois and Clark in the game. I realized very quickly when I started writing, oh, subconscious created this VR game so I can have scenes with them in the same place. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I, I did not ask for permission to change, even though it was a big a big change. I, I just felt like they'll say no if I ask, but mm-hmm. if I do it and they like these scenes, yeah. they'll leave them in. And in fact, when the editor, my editor from Warner Brothers sent back the manuscript, he did his notes in pen, and so my other editor's assistant typed them in, and it was like all of those scenes, like heart drawn in March. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. It's so much more effective when you write it out like that. <laughs> it, it is. That's really funny. And so, uh, yeah, I wanted to tackle some of those things, but in a science fictional way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did a little bit of research on the science, but the great thing about comic book science is 
you can make it do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, you know, that's sort of the history of super science um, is just to have, and I wanted to use things that had been in the Superman mythos at various stages. Um, and bullying is obviously something that is very both intrinsic to Lois Lane's character, that she is very anti-bullies and will stand up to them, but also something that so many kids face. Um, I remember a reader coming to one of my first events at Malaprops in Asheville after the first book came out, and she was just like, um, I was very badly bullied in high school. I'm, I, you know, I'm out of that now. And your book made me realize all the Lois Lanes in my life who that stood up for me or helped me get through that, which was pretty great. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that was kind of where all the, that's kind of where the virtual reality game piece came from. So was Gamergate happening at that time? What kind of inspired you to include the cyberbullying plotline? Yes, I remember my my editor had asked if we should use the word doxing to describe something that (laughs) Lois did, and I'm like, no. Yeah. (laughs) Lois would never dox anyone. No, never. (laughs) My God, that Gamergate thing was, I had almost forgotten about that (laughs) until you mentioned it. It was really, it was, I mean, it definitely was, it definitely was in full, full, awful swing. Yeah, yeah. That was that was something. Did, were you familiar with Gamergate when that was going bit. on? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was for the, for those of you who don't know. Gamergate was a situation online when a gaming journalist who worked for Kotaku um, wrote an article mm-hmm. reviewing a game. People in the comments thought that she had a relationship with the creator of the game. A whole thing snowballed out of that. Everyone started doxing her, which is finding out where she lived, her true identity online. Any death threats. Death threats. It was horrible. And it just kind of snowballed, and it started including all these other different women. Yeah. I mean, it kind of just basically turned into a full-fledged internet attack on women who play games. Yeah, just a huge harassment. Um, It was crazy. Yeah. It got out of hand so quickly. Um, And now that you mentioned Gamergate, it's like, I totally see that that was the inspiration for this book. Yeah, Yeah. that that totally, totally works. The the warheads are super creepy. Yes. Um, They're they're kind of the bad guys in the book, and they are what I, if if you sort of imagine, like, the kind of people who would dock someone and send death threats, Mm -hmm. it's these guys. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of a really good face for just, like, the nameless anonymous. Yeah, absolutely. Online. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely, absolutely. The portrayal of that. They really are. Uh, so Superman, we've talked a bit about him being present in the book, um, but only being seen in virtual reality or online in the chat transcripts. Did you know going into it that you weren't going to have Superman show up? Um, I knew that he would be her online long-distance friend, um, and I suspected that I would not be allowed to have him show up. Um, <laughs> because at you least thought DC was, like, too protective of him? Yeah, they're pretty protective of both of these characters, and, um, and, and I don't think that it would have been the right decision to have him there in the first book um by the time we got to by the time we got to book three um I think the level of trust even book two like the level of trust um was so high that it wasn't even an issue like my editor asked and they're like of course (laughs) take superman (laughs) he does does finally appear in book three right they get to meet yeah he's in like half the book yeah he, the, the, it's the whole fam comes to Metropolis. I don't think that's too spoiler. <laughs> no, no, no. You know they're going to end up together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <A> tease. <laughs> totally. To intrigue people into reading yes. through book three. And, write, and getting to write their, like, first date scenes in real life. I mean, like, those are some of the most fun things I've ever written. I'm and sure. then I, my, my goal was just, like, 
to make it, I mean, I really wanted book three to just feel like a giant hug. I've said this. <laughs> I just wanted it to delight everybody who's fans of the series. I wanted to pay off their investment in, in those two characters and their relationship. True fan service. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So what else are you guys working on at the moment? You and... So uh, Christopher and I, my husband and I, have uh, the first book in our new series, The Lost Legacy, um, in the Supernormal Sleuthing Service. The series just came out, which is about a hotel for monsters in New York City and three kids who live there and solve um, mysteries together. Um, it just came out, and we've been having a lot of fun promoting that. I don't recommend having two books come out in the same month. It <laughs> makes for a very long month. Um, so we're working on, we just turned in the second one, so we'll get edits back on that at any time. Um, and Christopher also has a short story collection coming out this summer, um, so I'm very proud of that. Um, I have, my first book is being reissued in a slightly different version um, by the publisher of Lois Lane in August. Um, and will be called Strange Alchemy now. It was originally Blackwood, so I'm glad to have that coming back. Um, I'm trying to... Th- oh, uh, read my, I'm, I'm also working with a company called Serial Box um, on a serial called Remade. I have to go finish editing an episode after I leave here, actually. It's <laughs> kind of a TV writer uh, but f- uh, setup. It's like the usual writer's room, and we all take episodes, but it's written an audiobook, and new episodes cool. get released oh, every awesome. week. Yeah. yeah, it's a really neat thing. Um, and then I'm just working on some secret things. Some, <laughs> so, some secret calls with some secret companies. Um, it's so a busy we'll summer. See. It is a busy summer. <laughs> we'll see what we'll see what's happening. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. For everybody at home, go get Fallout. The library has multiple copies. Go check it out. Um, after you read Fallout, you can read Double Down and Triple Threat, uh, the three in the series that are out right now. And definitely check out uh, Gwenda and Christopher's series, Supernormal Sleuthing Service. I'm on hold for it. I cannot wait to read it. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, and, of course, The Girl in a Wire, which is part of the Cirque American series as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you guys for having me. This was a blast. Thanks, Gwenda. Thanks. See you guys next time.